Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Castro Files. Good evening, honey. Hi. How are you? I'm well. How about yourself? You're doing awesome. I'm doing awesome. Thanks so much. Absolutely. Thank you all for joining us again for another The Castro Files. Tonight, I've got a creepy one. Yeah. Well, it's creepy in the sense that if you've heard of the the movie, The The Hills Have Eyes, Mm -hmm. really creepy. Yeah. You know, people out like living... Living in caves and stuff but like that, or yeah, it's very much like that. It's based off a true story. Oh, I did so, not know this. Yeah, you know how some movies are, you know, kind of like based on yes, loosely, loosely based on yes. a true story. Well, this is based on a true story from way back when. Okay, which is kind of gonna creep you out a little bit because awesome. when people are really cannibals, you're like. It is not just the movies. Yikes. It's weird. So just a heads up. This one's going to be kind of a little gnarly. So, okay. all right, before we get into that, before Love we get it. into the story, go out, like us and subscribe to the Castro files out on YouTube, of course. And then also, you know, hit the subscribe button and then follow us out on the bar is open with Beth and Greg for all of the audio channels. You can find us anywhere. We post these, the audio clips out, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, all the places you can find. Right. You know your your typical podcasts. There you go. Right. So there we go. And then I'll say share us with your friends and family. Yeah. If you like the story, share it. Pass it along. Yeah. This one's gonna be creepy. So. Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, it's P. It's still PG. Maybe it's PG thirteen. We'll say. Is it? Okay. Just because of the the gore okay. factor. Okay. All right. So let's get into it. So let's do it. The terrifying true story behind the hills have eyes. This is on unilad.com. You can find it out there. I'll post the links to everything as well. So this is based on the movie or the movies based on okay. this story. So it's one of the most iconic horror settings of all time. And one that can still make lone travelers feel uneasy upon remembering the story, a dusty, uncomfortable expanse of desert surrounded by rocky, unforgiving hillside terrain with only animals out there. In Wes Craven's 1977 classic, The Hills of Eyes, we see the ordinary suburban Carter family preyed upon like human French fries by a wild clan of cannibals after their trailer breaks down in the Nevada desert. As they are picked off and brutalized in various uh, horrifying uh, horrifying ways, the remaining uh, carters are forced to fight savagery with savagery. Prayer circles and walkie-talkies soon cast aside for rocks and traps and bloody screaming vengeance. The final closing scene, which sees newly grieving widower Doug Wood, Martin Spear, who was the actor, unleash bestial fury on Mars, Lance Gordon, is arguably one of the bleakest endings in horror history. Hmm. Our last vision of Doug is from a perspective of dying of the dying Mars, and it's the name of a character in the movie. The rock coming down again and again as Doug's eyes burn wildly. Ruby's Janice Blythe, who played that character, pitiful sobs among almost humanize her repulsive brother in his final moments while Doug is framed as having become an animalistic as animalistic as those who terrorize his family. All traces of humorous, easygoing father and husband lost to dry winds. A masterpiece in spinning suspense from ever growing dread and claustrophobia phobia claustrophobia, this exploration of fears of those outside the supposedly neat borders of society remained an important part of Alexandra Aha's bloodier remake released 15 years ago. Okay. So this is the remake that just that so like most of us are probably more familiar with, with right? right? This one, the original, the OG is from 1977, right? 
So although they follow the same narrative threads, family dynamics, and themes, the two versions vary notably. Notably, AHA's version turns the guts and gore up a notch, the newest version, while giving us the, a markedly different sort of villainous pack to contend with. In the original movie, Papa Jupiter is sent out into the wilderness as a boy by his father, Fred, having burned his home and sister to a cinder. We never hear about Jupiter's versions of the events, and by the time we meet him, he is more wild thing than man. And that's kind of getting into this. Okay. Right? So the remake takes the origin story in a notably different angle and arguably much more eerie direction with the feral family having been cruelly forced from society and into the mines and the desolate into mines and the, the desolate crumbling ghost town they call home the physical differences of the family are at this time attributed to nuclear testing at a mining town testings that were later covered up by the government so if we go into some of the photos like you'll see the pictures Right, or you see some of the images that that you know they're deformed. Okay, but they're they're blaming it on nuclear testing. Okay. In reality, it could be because they're they were incestuous. Human? Oh, okay. Right, the cruel human the the human cruelty on a larger scale arguably lends greater photos or pathos rather to the wretched cannibals because they do eat people with big brains, accusatory, you've made us what we've become, placing the blame high above the everyday scramblings for meat and survival. They like to eat people because they like to eat people, is what they're saying. Right. Right. However, the true origin story of The Hills Have Eyes dates back to long before concerns over nuclear testing, although the fears and fascination with social outsiders was just as strong. Having always imbued his work with myths, legends, and folk tales, Wes Craven drew from the tale of Sawney Bean, the diabolical head of a cannibalistic family who supposedly terrorized doomed travelers in 16th century Scotland. Okay. Accounts of Bean's life vary, with the first accounts emerging decades after his supposed death by execution. Some historians have expressed doubt he ever existed in the first place, while others believe the story is rooted in truth, but has become exaggerated somewhat over the years. Okay. You know how that... Okay. It, Just grows. Every time it's told, something yeah, gets better. He's got 60 people and he's yeah. got 80 people, yeah. right? Either way, the story of Bean's bloodthirsty lawlessness has continued to inspire storytellers over the centuries. The ultimate tale of horror a civilized person could encounter should they stray from the proper path. As the story goes, Bean was born in East Lothian and raised by his father who worked as a ditch digger and hedge trimmer. The younger Bean initially attempted to follow, his, follow in his father's footsteps into an honest family trade he would have been expected to take up. However, much like Jupiter from the original movie, it quickly became apparent that he was bound for a darker destiny. Bean took up with black, in quotes, Agnes Douglas, a woman who shared his bloody nature and taste for human flesh. They made a home together in a cave by the Galloway coast, far away from the orderly world of work and toil they had left behind. The exact number of children and grandchildren who were raised in the cave differs from account to account. However, it widely, it's widely understood that the incestuous clan burgeoned to around 48 family members during the 25 years Bean lived in the cave. Wow. It's a big family living That's in big. the cave, right? Yeah. So, you know, and they're, and it's, yeah. it's all, yeah. Yeah. 
That's where the PG-13 part comes in, right? Okay. So, much like the family in the films, the Bean Clan would sustain themselves on bodies of poor, unsuspecting travelers who were unfortunate enough to stumble within their hunting grounds. Creeping out of the cave at night, the family would capture people and bring them back to their grotesque home. Here they would dismember their victims picking before picking, salting, pickling, salting, and feasting upon their bodies. Those from nearby villages would occasionally find the gruesome remains of these family dinners. That's a weird way to put that. Yes. Right? I mean, it, it is what it is. <laughs> washing, up on, uh, washing up on the picturesque shore. However, for a full quarter of a century, they were, they were able to get away with it. Strange disappearances blamed on local innkeepers or vicious animals. Huh. The legend goes on goes that the family murdered and devoured over a thousand human beings during this time. A figure that has been disputed by historians without ever setting foot in the neighboring towns and villages. Men, women, and children were dragged into the cave and never came out. As the years went on, there were more and more bean bellies to fill. All while, no doubt, any lingering memories of social niceties and mercy held by the clan patriarch faded to faded from memory. It's unclear whether, like Ruby in the films, there were any bean children who felt remorse. It was kind of like going hunting for deer. Yeah, except it wasn't deer. It wasn't deer. The family who... This one's just creepy, right? You just yeah. start thinking about it. The family who uh, were, a, were a law unto themselves and only one and one can only imagine their hierarchies, rituals and bonds that shaped life in the darkness of the cave. But such a life could not last forever and those in the area began, began beyond gradually came to realize that something was seriously wrong. As per Alexander Smith's 1719 book, A Complete History of the Lives and Robberies of Most Notorious Highwaymen, the Bean Clan reign, Bean Clan's reign of terror came to an end after one of their unfortunate victims lived to tell the tale. Oh, Lord. A man and his wife had been traveling home on horseback one evening when they were pounced upon by the beans. The man fought against their assailants as best he could, but sadly, this was not enough to protect his wife who was murdered before his, before his eyes in a truly harrowing manner. Smith wrote, the, family, the female cannibals cut her throat and fell to sucking her blood as, it was, as, a great, as, as great a gust as if it had been wine. This done, they ripped up her belly and pulled out her entrails. Such a dreadful spectacle made the man make the more obstinate resistance as expected the same fate if he fell into their hands basically saying yeah you're gonna do that to me too if i don't get i'm sorry honey love you bye you're done love you bye peace yes. right thankfully the man was able to escape the clan's clutches and was able to tell others about his wife's terrible end in smith's account the king himself led a 400 strong group of men to the area where they searched high and low for the family's lair at first, they were unable to locate the cave, even with bloodhound, when bloodhounds alerted them to it. When the group began being unable to conceive that anything human could be, be concealed in a place where it saw nothing but darkness, but what they did find that when they did find the home, it was the stuff of nightmares. Now the whole body, or as many of them could, went in and were all so shocked at what they beheld that they were almost ready to sink into the earth. Legs, arms, thighs, hands, 
and feet of men, women and, women and children were hung up in rows like dried beef. A great many limbs lay in pickle in a great mass of money, both gold and silver, with watches, rings, swords, pistols, and a large quantity of clothes, both linen and woolen, and an infinite number of other things, which they had taken from those whom they had murdered, were thrown together in heaps or hung up against the sides of the den. Under the king's orders, the family were seized and the remaining pieces of human flesh were buried in the sands. A final attempt at dignity at what must have felt like the doors to hell. To hell. The clan, which in Smith's telling included eight sons, six daughters, 18 grandsons, and 14 granddaughters, alongside Sawney and Agnes, were taken to Edinburgh, where crowds gathered with morbid curiosity. Ugh. Here... They were committed to the old Tollbooth prison where before being conducted under a strong guard to Leith the very next day. Here they, they were executed without any process. In Smith's words, it had been thought needless to try creatures who, had, who were even professed enemies, enemies of mankind. Just get rid of them. Yeah, I mean, Just, there doesn't need to be there's a no, case. Yeah, we the case in is solved. Everything. Yeah. Right. It solved itself the well, second it, you walked in. It built its own tr- case. And that tells you, like, going back through the lore, right, it tells you that they didn't care about, like, like possessions. Right. They were just, like, watches and guns. Well, because that's blah, why blah. I said, why didn't they take that that money, that gold, those They didn't care about that. They lived in that dark cave. They wanted to be there. They wanted they to be there. They didn't want to move, and they didn't right. want to eat normal food. Right. The ways in which the family members were executed could could make even the most hardened horror films buff hardened film buff stomach churn, making for difficult reading all these years. So this one's going to get kind of gnarly. Okay. The men had their privy parts cut off and thrown into a fire. Their hands and legs were severed from their bodies, which by which amputations they bled to death in some hours. The wife, daughters, and grandchildren. Having been made spectators of this punishment, of this just punishment inflicted on the men, were afterwards burnt to death in three several fires. They all, in general, died without the least signs of repentance, but continued to the very last gasp of life cursing, inventing the most dreadful imprecations upon all around and upon all those who were instrumental in bringing them to such well-merited punishments. Basically, they were they were like, we don't care. Yeah, we're angry like, at you for... We hate you for yeah. coming. You're ruining our lives. It, but you grow up as a feral human being, and yeah. that's what you do. We're only... We only live by the lessons that we're taught. Right. Right? And they... They didn't learn with it. They weren't brought up with any, any like any humanity to them. Right. (laughs) During an interview with the arrow upon the film's original release, Craven spoke with some surprising sympathy for the ways in which the bean family were punished echoes of which can be seen in the plot. They did horrendous things to them, broke them all on a wheel, hanged the women in front of the men. And then they dismembered the men. And I was so, this is what he's saying. And I was so struck by how one, on the one hand, you have this feral family that's killing people and eating them. But if you look at it, they weren't doing anything that much worse than civilization did when they caught them. And I just thought, what a great kind of A-B culture. How the most civilized can be the most savage and how the most savage can be the most civilized. I don't think there was anything civilized. When you sit there and you cut somebody, a dude's private parts off. I mean, that was a little, I'm talking about, but the other people weren't any less savagery. No, it was yeah, like you said, it's the A B. It's yeah. the 
you know, the yin and the yang of yeah, it, if you that's will. Crazy. He continued, I constructed these two families as mirrors of each other. I found it very interesting to look at ourselves, to think of ourselves as having the capacity not only for great good, but for great evil. Mm-hmm. In this book, Wes Craven, The Man and His Monsters, film writer John Woolley wrote, John Woolley Wiley wrote, Craven realized that by updating the Sonny Bean story to 20th century, 20th century California, he would have the opportunity not only to comment on a cult society dwelling inside modern civilization, but also the chance to comment on civilization's less than civilized retribution against the cannibals, mm-hmm. which makes sense, right? I mean, kind of, right? But in the movie, the dad goes crazy. Okay. Because he's driven to a point of... Well, he lost everybody. Yeah, right? So 40 years on, AHA revamped and repackaged the story for a new generation. Of course, you can go out and check them out. I mean, so... I've never seen it. I'm kind of in... Like, I've seen them. I haven't... I don't think I've seen the 77 version. Yeah. I've seen the new one. I'm kind of in, like... I don't like to watch horror movies just for the grotesqueness right. of the horror movie. Right. You know, there's certain movies like Can't that. I'm like, I, like a I house, used to like the Rob Zombie movies, like House of a Thousand Corpses yeah. and stuff like that. I've watched them. I'm like, oh, I can't get that time back in my life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I can't. I just can't do certain. Yeah, hostile. Exactly. Yes. Like, there's certain things I Saw. just can't do. Unlike the traditional Sawny Bean story, The Hills Have Eyes doesn't end with the clan being wiped from the face of the earth, scoured from the land where they have built their home. We don't see a safe and final return to civilization. In both movies, we leave the Carters exposed, invisible, in the dry heat of the desert, the, the feeling of unseen eyes persisting, even though their tooth and nail fight for survival. Sonny Bean's story will no doubt continue to shift and reverberate in years and perhaps centuries to come, firing up the imaginations of writers and filmmakers who will, not, who will never not be fascinated with the world that lies beyond the surest road. Hmm. So it's, it really is just kind of one of those stories that it's a quick story, but it's a creepy story. Like, well, it's based on it's So there's a truth to it. Right. And then those movies are based on truth. It's weird. Because my thought was when you talked about how they... Um, cured them. them. Well, no, how they killed oh, the family. Oh, I was one thing to myself. Sonny's. I'm like, why didn't they just hang them? Like they would hang a regular. They were trying to. I think they were trying to find some sort of retribution for what they had done. Yeah, like kind of giving them a little taste of what yeah, they had done. To like people. a little vigilante justice yeah. kind of thing, right? I don't know, but like, is that eye for an eye? I don't I, know. Kind I mean, of something like that. It is eye for an eye, but that doesn't always mean it's right. No. Just. Especially if they weren't the brightest bulbs in the batch. Yeah, when you when you have that much incestuous kind of uh, relationship going on, right. yeah, you may be hurting you may not, the. You're, you're not functioning on a like a full educated brain. No. Not just I plus mean, it's the 1700s. So yes, because but but also they just didn't have any social skills. Mm-hmm. The people that weren't them, they <laughs> ate. They didn't say. Just think about like the social, just friend. like your current day social skills. Yeah. Right? Like, you get up, you brush your teeff, you take a shower, you do whatever, you make you a bed, people, you get up, you, say you hello, do your stuff. You and say, you yeah. walk by them. You don't slit their neck open and drink from them. <laughs> right? Like it's wine. Yeah. So, or a vampire. if you guys like this one, go out and give it a thumbs up if you don't mind. Share it. This one's a little creepy, so. It's good. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? I, I did have one question. Yeah. Like, in my head, I was chuckling because I was like, when he said he met the uh, the lady he met that he ended up having kids with. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was Agnes. like, yes, when he found his mate, I was. I wrote down, how did he find out? Hey, hi, nice to meet you. I like to eat people. <gasps> really? <laughs> I like to eat people, too. We should date. It's like Italian food. I mean, I was like, how did they... How do you, f- how do yeah, you find how do you that? 
quality in another Two person. Two peas in the pod, yeah. as they say, right? I was like, that's what that's I literally wrote that point. down. Huh. I like eating people. Get out. Me too. <laughs> you know? So I thought that was like, I wonder how that conversation went. I don't know. You hungry? I'm going to go get that guy. What? Right? Cannibal Tinder. Yeah, it's the new Farmers Only. Something for everyone? Cannibals Only. Oh, gosh. I don't know. That's a good story, babe. And if you hear that voice in the background, that's our producer, Pete, who's now got a mic, and now we got a setup. He's got a whole now producer he's desk. Now dangerous. So absolutely. You'll hear more from him later on. So yes. cheers. Thank you guys so much. Like I said, go out, like, subscribe to the show. Share it if you don't mind. Please. All the photos are posted out on the Castro files out on Instagram as well. So you can check them out there if you didn't see it. If you're if you're listening in. So yes. all right with that, have a great night. Bye, See you guys. next time. Cheers. See ya.